for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified livecast. I'm your host, Tom Quiet, and we are back at it again with the early Sunday edition of the podcast. Today, we have Joseph Meadows of the Lab 704. How's it going today, Joseph? Um, it's going great. I mean, I'm just honored to be here. Uh, I'm glad we were able to make it work. And you know, it's funny because when I met when I messaged you last night, I wasn't sure I had the right Facebook page. And because I'm just sitting here and I'm like, Oh, I haven't really talked talked to the talked to you. So let me let me find him on Facebook and reach out. And then I found your Facebook page, and I was just like, "Okay, he added me, cool." And then I messaged you, and I saw you like checked it, and I'm like, "Maybe I don't have the right person. I I'm not sure." Any like, and then you messaged me like a couple hours later. I'm like, "Okay, cool, we're good." Well, I was so I'm not gonna lie to you. I had a bit. I was sitting with my brother. We were in the car. I was driving, and I was uh, my brother and my business partner, and I. And um, man, I I had like a whole girly freak out. I was like, guys, guys, it's really happening. Uh. Oh my God, guys, I'm alive. I was like, am I sure? Am I sure? And then Facebook popped up because I guess lately they've been doing it where they uh, they pop up with the, are you sure you know this person? Yeah. And I was like, no, but I'm pretty sure this is the right person. Yeah. I'm sure. Yep. Nope. It's, it is, it's. I was going to email you, but then I was just like, I know how I am with emails. And I was just like, man, it'll probably get kicked to the spam folder. It'll probably, you know, it just like, that's how emails seem to work lately yeah. is anytime I'm waiting for something important, it gets kicked to the spam folder. Yeah. And then I see it like three days later and it's like, wow. Dang. Yeah. But first off, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh so this is kind of interesting because I was just talking to somebody the other day and they were asking me to bring on more of like industry type people, not so much yeah. musicians, but like producers, you know, and people on the other side of the industry. So this actually kind of worked out perfectly. So um, before we jump too deep into everything, can you give me kind of a background on who you are and how you got involved with the Lab 704, you know, all that fun stuff? Well, um, I guess first things first is the Lab 704 is actually just one of our studio locations. It's our Charlotte location. Okay. Uh, I am the CEO, co-owner, and director of photography and cinematography for Lightning in a Bottle Studios. That's what we affectionately call the lab because Lord knows Lightning in a Bottle Studios can be a bit to say. It's, just, it's a lot in your mouth. Um, yeah. So currently, um, it's a we have... Two, 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 three locations counting the mobile location and then we're looking at a projected five more by the end of this year and two more within the first three months of 2021 um i really genuinely just kind of fell into this uh for the love of it me and my business partner chris we met uh crazy circumstances but we met 
and we were sitting one day and I had an audio visual board, one of the switch boards mm -hmm. that had XLR ports. And I was like, hey, you want to do something cool today? And we were like, yeah, and we played around and we we're like, hey, I'm going to start a studio. Nice. Uh, that was two years ago and we never looked back. Currently, we are the only full service studio. Um, we don't even consider ourselves a recording studio. It's a media studio. We did at some point have an animation department, but we do everything from photography, videography, engineering, production, recording, promotion, the whole nine yards. And we throw events. We actually threw a music festival for the 4th of July. And because I felt special, I threw a music festival for my birthday. So on May 9th, we had Storm in the Smokies because I stay out in the great Smoky Mountains, Tennessee. Yeah. Um, and uh, for the 4th of July, we had Liberty Fest because okay. love, life, liberty, America. Yeah. Absolutely. So you're, you're based out of Knoxville right now, correct? Um, it's actually a split. The, we have our, our OG location, you know, our home base location. It's South in Clarksville, Tennessee. It's okay. in Clarksville, Tennessee. It's uh, the Lab 931. Okay. And we have the Lab 704. And then I am, I guess you could say Knoxville. It's technically Cosby. I'm like 45 to an hour out from mm -hmm. Knox. But yeah. I do service the Knoxville area um, through my studio here in the mountains. Okay, perfect. And uh, what kind of uh, music do you, musicians do you usually work with? Um, really depends on where we're at. Uh, Charlotte and Clarksville. Clarksville especially is a little weird one because Clarksville is right next to Fort Campbell, which is a military town, so you get a lot of influences. Charlotte, we deal primarily with rap. And then in Clarksville, it's whatever. We've had a metal band walk through the door. We've had a country guy come through and crone his heart away. But we do deal with primarily a lot of rap and R&B and whatnot. Gotcha, gotcha. Awesome. And so you've been doing this for a couple of years now. And you, how have, how's everything kind of been with the pandemic? Has the pandemic kind of slowed you down? or I mean, obviously, you're still expanding, so it couldn't have slowed you down too much. Um, well, first, I, I'm expanding, thankfully. Just I have a lot of cool friends in a lot of cool places. Mm -hmm. And working together, I think one of the, the key things to expand their building, whether it's the pandemic or not, but especially the pandemic, is really making sure that you have a solid team. Uh, mm -hmm. COVID, COVID did get us. Uh, we had like a whole tour set up. Uh, me and my boys, we were supposed to be hitting like uh, South by Southwest and Rolling Loud in Miami and whatnot. And Corona kind of just came and shifted all the focus. And it, it messed things up for like the first two, two and a half months. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But one of the key things that I, uh, I had to sit down and realize was the fact that it gave us a time to slow down. Like Corona did something that nothing else has done, at least in my lifetime, because I'm young. I'm a 98 baby. Mm -hmm. So it stopped the whole world. And for a lot of people, that was a bad thing. But thankfully, we were in a position where we could take that time and just readjust and refocus yep. and build our foundation a lot better because at that point it was kind of like we were running and laying bricks as we were running on top of them. Mm -hmm. yep. But Corona was just like, Hey, Hey world. Hey, Hey, stop that. Yeah. Just, just stop all that real quick. And um, it, it was a curse and it's still a bit of a headache, but it was a blessing. It did mean a lot of changes, but 
it meant a lot of changes, especially in our daily workflow that I actually think even after the pandemic, I'm probably going to maintain anyway. Um, things that we just didn't think about, like I always sanitize mics, but I never thought to sanitize a mic literally every single person, you know, yeah. you get to working in the day, especially in the studio. And it's just like, oh, one person's in, one person's out, one person's in. Well, you don't, you're not sitting here thinking like, oh man, I need to sit here and lice all down my microphone in case the last guy was sick yeah. 30 minutes ago. And it, at the time, like, had you told me to do it at the beginning of January, I would have been like, yo, what do you mean? Like, it kind of takes up a lot of time. Yeah. Now I'm like, oh, this is five seconds out of my world. This isn't anything. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's like I said, it's definitely, it's led to some, some really good changes but it's led to some real, real headaches. Yeah, I, I completely understand that. We found ourselves in a very similar situation because we, uh, during at least during the springtime, we rely heavily on music festivals as well. Like we do, uh, this was going to be my first year to really experience South by Southwest because I just recently moved to Waco. Um, oh man, not Waco. Yeah, Waco. Oh I, man. Oh, uh, so I just recently guys, we're gonna see Tom on the news. No, it'll be that would have been when I was in Roswell. I lived in Roswell, New Mexico, for about four years. Yeah, so. okay, and yeah, for sure. So yeah. I got a question: Were you gonna storm Area Fifty One? No, I was never. You know, it, it's it's funny. <laughs> that wasn't even in Roswell. That was actually up like near Vegas or something. I think. Yeah. But uh, no, I was I wasn't gonna storm Area Fifty One. <laughs> a just because. I wasn't going to drive all that way just for the heck of it. And plus, yeah. at that point, by that point, I was already living in, um, uh, I moved to uh, Tallahassee, Florida. So that, that was, that was a crazy movement. Like I, I woke up one day and everyone was like, we're storming area 51, get the Naruto runners. And I was like, huh? Wait, what? Yeah. I was just actually, it's funny you brought that up because I was watching a video the uh, actually last night while I was just kind of messing around with some stuff and it was like, Somebody was at the uh, the storm area fifty one thing, and I was just like, oh, "Okay." It wow. just happened to pop up on my recommended feed, and I'm like, "Okay, I wonder why." But you know, it's fine. yeah, yeah. So, no, but uh, yeah, this year was supposed to be our first experience going to South by Southwest, um, and but usually, usually I go. We rely really heavy on the music festivals to do like interviews. We do a lot of like live live sessions, like live recording sessions. So it's like right now it's a lot of acoustic stuff just because it's me by myself. But yeah. even like right now it's hard to get musicians to come through and do acoustic stuff because it's like, well, I don't know. You know, it's one of those things. So it's just like whatever. Um, so that's yeah. why we started doing the podcast more frequently because it's like, well, I got to do something. I mean, we got, we got to create content, man. Yeah, we got, we've got enough like live sessions in the bag that like we could sprinkle them out. But I'm kind of one of them people where it's like I'd much rather release them all consistently. Like, yeah, that's day. that's the same thing with um with us over here at the lab. Um, like I have enough, uh, we have a few series, uh, Soul Sundays, Freestyle Fridays, and May Buys. Yeah. Um, May Buys is like our, our producer platform. You know, we do videos with producers and making beats and whatnot. Yeah. And um, I have enough in the bag to like drop on my regular content schedule for yeah. maybe 
a month, month and a half. Yeah. But when everything happened with the Rona, everything kind of slowed down. Yep. And so I was just like, I, I'm the same way. I'm like, I don't want to just drop this. And then it's like, all right, a month and a half later or a month into it, it's be like, hey, guys, um, we're out of contact. Nobody will come because of the Rona. So yep. you guys in a few months. Yep. You know what I mean? Pretty much. And, you know, it's it's funny because, like, right, I handle all the video side of stuff. And then I have a sound engineer that still lives out in New Mexico that does all the audio. Except Roswell, New Mexico, their internet is trash. And so even doing something as simple as sending wave files back and forth, it's like not possible. <laughs> yeah. I living in the mountains, because um unlike a lot of people who are like, oh, I live in the mountains. If you Google Cosby, Tennessee. It's actually in the mountains. Yes, like I live on top of a mountain that's surrounded by the mountains. Yeah. Um, so we were stuck with the people that I hate the most, which is good old AT&T because there's literally nothing else out here. Yeah. Um, and we like, we played around with other service providers and it was, it was God awful. Like mm-hmm. even the ones are like, this is meant for the mountain. It's like, no, no, obviously it's not. Obviously, like, I don't know what y'all call internet here, but y'all are about 30 years behind. I'm gonna need y'all to. <sighs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, so what uh, got you originally involved in music? What got you originally interested in music? Um, I've always kind of been into music. Um, I can't even say kind of. My, my whole family's into music. My grandmother, she sang opera and choir. Um, my mom, as much as she will tell you, like if I pulled her up right now, she'd be like, I can't sing. My mother can sing because that's where I got it from. Um, my stepfather, he was in the army and I remember there's days he, he finally like got a copy of FL. I remember I walked in one day and he was over there making these beats and I was like, whoa, that's crazy. That's cool. Um, everyone in my family, like I'm a multi-instrumentalist, everyone in my family, minus my grandfather, uh, plays an instrument. My grandfather's favorite instrument, his only instrument he can play is the radio. He'll tell you that real quick. (laughs) which means he's won the whole game. Um, but I've always just been in a very music-influenced house. I'm from the South. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. So you're going to hear, if you don't hear anything else growing up, you're going to hear church music. But my granddad has the meanest record collection. Like, he has original copies of the Beatles, oh, of wow. Black Sabbath, Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, stuff yeah. like that, Jethro Tool. So I grew up on a very, like, eclectic music taste, and I always just wanted to do everything. And... As I went through school, like my mom, she tried to put me in the Atlanta All Boys Choir. I was like, uh, no, mom, regret that decision. <laughs> um, but I've always, always, always wanted to create music and just to create in general. I used to, as a kid, be like, I want to be an artist and draw. And then by the time I was like 10, 11, I was like, yeah, no, 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 I want to be a musician. <laughs> like I saw, I saw my homies playing the guitar and whatnot, and I was like, and they had all the girls in school around them. I was like, that's me. That's that's what I need in my life right there. Um, and I just, I, I just always like to create and play around. So, I mean, I, um, like I picked up the piano by ear when I was younger. I was gonna say about seven or eight because my grandmother, big pianist, and she was like, you have long fingers. You need to learn how to play the piano, son. Yeah. Um, and then, when I finally got into middle school, 
I told my mom, my mother is a, she plays uh, basically any woodwind instrument that you put mm. in her hand. But her, like, her favorite one is the clarinet. And I told my mom, I want to play the saxophone. Actually, no, I said, I want to play the drums. And she was like, absolutely not me though. Um, I'm not hearing that. Pick something else. And I was like, I want to play the saxophone. And she's like, I know what it sounds like when someone's playing on a broken reed and you'll do it just to spite me. Pick another instrument. Uh, finally, finally we, we got down and settled and um, she bought me a cornet trumpet. Okay. And all the way up until my junior year, I I played I played trumpet and then I played trumpet and basically any other brass. I wanted to get as good as my mom with the woodwinds. So you can put a French horn in my hands, you can put a tuba in my hands. I hate doing the whole slide thing, but you can hit me with a trombone. I just yeah. I hate it. But I mean I mean I don't hate the instrument, I just hate what I have to play it. Yeah. Uh because I and, feel like with the trombone, you're always like have to be spatially aware of yourself because it's like yeah 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 it's like am I sure like there's no clear marker there's no line so it's literally a, am I sure yeah is this the right sound and like sometimes I like daydream and whatnot I need to be able to press down two or three things and know that I made the right sound with my umbershire and call it a day I don't need to have to think about it because I mess it up yeah I, I completely but, understand but I, I'd always got into it and then um I took some classes I, when I went to back home to Atlanta because I left for eight years, went okay. around Lord knows everywhere um, in this country and beyond. And uh, I sat down, I came back home and there was a few classes, a few really, really great teachers at the school I went to. Shout out to Benjamin Elijah Mays, the thrill on the hill out in the west side of Atlanta. Um, they got me they got me heavily into, because I've always been into cameras and whatnot too, because I thought it was cool. Mm -hmm. But they got me into really taking my photography and my videography serious. But there were this, those same teachers also started me teaching, started teaching me song theory because we were going through stuff and they'd be asking questions. And I already had like, I've always kind of been ahead of the curve. So I had a basic understanding growing up in a music household, like, hey, this is what song theory is. This is what song structure is. But they were like, oh no, like as soon as they found out that I knew a little more than the average bear, they're like, so here's these books, here's these videos, and you need to go learn that. And once I started really learning it and grasping it and learning how to like genuinely compose a song, I fell in love. I was just like, yeah, this is what I want to do for the rest of my existence in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Like, I don't care if I'm the musician or the guy recording them or the guy playing the instrument. I just know that this is this is what I want to do. Gotcha, awesome, awesome. And so, how did you move from? How did you end up getting finding yourself in? I guess Knoxville is technically Eastern Tennessee. Yeah, I'm out in East Tennessee. So, alrighty, Tom. I hope you got a shot in your coffee because it's story time. Awesome, I love story time. Alrighty, so. Um, when I was 17, I thought I was grown. Mm. Uh, and because I'm 22 now, I can go ahead and tell the story. Hi, mom. Um, so me and my mother got into it because I lived in what is collectively known as the hood. 
okay? And uh, in the hood, there's this thing called shot houses where you can go get a shot of liquor for 50 cents, a tall boy can for $1.50, and they don't really care about your age as long as you got some facial hair. They're like, all right, you can pass. <laughs> so I was having a bad day. I had just gotten kicked out of school for attendance because um, I was I was a kid that had A's, but also had like, like you would you would think someone else was doing my work because I just didn't exist on the school record at all. I just I wasn't interested. So I went down the block. I was depressed. I'm gonna go drink my sorrows away like a grown man. So I come up stumbling about one one thirty in the morning uh, because I, I told myself I was gonna come home earlier. Got caught up in uh, uh, actually a whole cipher with the homies. Mm-hmm. Just come stumbling. My mom's like, "What in the hell's wrong with you?" I did you really come up here drunk? Shawty, no, get out. All right, cool. So I, next the morning, she's looking at me terrified as I have this huge backpack. Cause I'm like, I'm grown mom. The state of Georgia says I'm grown and you can't touch me. So I'm leaving. Um, I came up to Clarksville, um, bounced around. I had like, I had my own face and then I, I went out of state. I, my family has never stayed in one spot religiously even before. My mother married my stepfather. My granddad is just, he's paranoid. So he's like tinfoil hat paranoid. Okay. So after two years, he's got a split, all right? Because too many people knows where he's at. I don't. I I mean, I, I, I get the mindset of moving around, but yeah, I'm, because I'm very much like that, but I don't consider myself tin hat paranoid. Like, yeah. No, no, I love my granddad. He's, he's, he's tinfoil hat. He all right. This before I get back to the story, this is level ten four hat we're talking about. The government killed Jimi Hendrix. All right, there you go. That's level ten four hat we're talking about. I love him. I love him. I love him with all my heart. But that's that's what that's the guy we're talking about. So yeah, okay. we moved around a lot. Um. So I finally one of my last times getting in trouble with the law. Um. I ended up back in Clarksville, which anyone who lives in Clarksville calls it a black hole because for whatever reason, once you live there, you never, you always come back. Yeah. Even if it's to visit, you always, you're not from there. Nine times out of 10, you're not from Clarksville. You didn't grow up your whole life in Clarksville. But by the time you die, you would have spent at least three fourths of your life in, in Clarksville. Clarksville. You, don't even know, you don't even know how it happens. You're just like, wow, they got me. Um, so I had to come back for court. I ended up at uh, my business partner's house, who his his never to be seen on camera self is sitting to the right of me here, and um, you know the story about how I had the mixer and we we decided to do this. Mm. Uh, well, I decided to go back when I lived up in Virginia one time, which is where I came <laughs> from before I had met him. I had this job making twenty five an hour, cash every day. So my bright idea was, it, it is a moving job. Um, that was the regional supervisor for B&H Elite Movers. So basically, I was the biggest guy that moved gun saves and pianos all day. That was that was my job all day. And it was not pleasant. So um, just because you're the biggest, strongest guy, you got the shittiest part of the job? Gun saves and grand pianos. Me and my boss, at least my boss had the dignity to do it with me. Yeah. But because I'm bigger than him, like I'm a whole foot taller than him and got a whole lot of him on muscle. 
but yeah. two men carrying grand pianos. Yep. You can only imagine who was really carrying the grand piano. Yep. I, I've got so, the idea. So I was like, I tell my business partner, I'm like, hey, I'm going to shoot up here, right? And then I'm going to go ahead and just, sh- you know, funnel money to the company. Like, we're just going to, because at, at 25 an hour, when I'm working 12 to 18 hour days every day, I can afford a company. Um, I got, so to, to quickly synopse how it ended, drugs are bad, kids. Drugs are very bad. And uh, me and my wife, I called my big brother and I was like, man, I don't want to go back to Middle Tennessee. What, what do you got for me? He said, me and mom are out in Knoxville. And I was like, oh, dear Lord. Knoxville? I ain't never been to no Knoxville now. Yeah. Ain't that up there by the holler and the mountains and whatnot? And he said, yeah. And I was like, oh, Lord, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Um, I came out to Knoxville and, and was there for a few months. And I ended up just falling in love with the music scene out here. Like the whole East Tennessee scene is because you don't hear about it. Like everywhere else in Tennessee, everyone hears about Memphis or Nashville. And even when you're in Tennessee, when you're in middle Tennessee, you hear about middle and West Tennessee. You don't hear about East Tennessee. Yes. So for as far as me and all my friends who actually are from like Clarksville and Nashville, Murfreesboro and whatnot, we don't know what happens out here. There's no clue. There's no president. We don't hear their music. We don't know their artists, nothing. So you come out here and you realize that that mountain range changes the whole culture. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, I, I fell in love with their music scene. I fell in love with the artists. Uh, they're Knoxville itself and the surrounding areas. They have this really funky, like, I'm real city. But don't get it twisted. I'll strap on these boots and, and whip your behind vibe, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, like, hey, don't think that these vans don't come off. The snapback doesn't come off. And my cowboy hat doesn't come on either, you know? Yeah. And and, and it's, it permeates their whole thing. Even their accent is different. And um, I was just like, all right, I want to stay here. And then I don't know if you can see the view behind me. I can give you a better shot, but. I, I couldn't leave it for the world. Yeah. Not, no, I, not I for the world. That part I completely understand. Like, um, where I grew up in Chicago, and then when I went left for school, I, I spent time out there. My my family's from out there. I lived out there for like two years uh, on the South Side, fifty four yep. from Morgan. Yep, I lived in uh, the South Chicago Heights area, so it's like a little nice. bit further. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when I went, when I left for school, my parents moved to Florida. And so instead of coming up to Chicago, anytime there was like a break or something, I'd just drive down to Florida and driving through Tennessee. Usually it was, obviously it was like more Western Tennessee, but like some of the view out there was just crazy. Cause I'd come like through Tennessee, right as the sun was rising. Cause I was that psychopath that would drive yeah. straight through the night. Yeah, I am too. That's, that's yep. the best way to do it. Yep. And so like, we'd come through like, right before you hit the border to come into Georgia there's like this mountain range and this beautiful lake and the sun would rise right over it and it's like dang all right that that's what's up and like you'd mentioned I'm not overly I lived in western Kentucky for about a year after I graduated I'm sorry 
Ah, oh, beg your heart. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 that's when I realized I had allergies, like all the cow shit and stuff like that. I was yeah. like, oh man, I, I don't enjoy this. Like I was popping like uh, Sudafed and all that stuff almost on yeah. the daily. Like it was terrible. And, you know, one of the play when I left Florida last year to move out to Waco, actually Knoxville was one of the places, other places that I was considering. And, you know, it, it was one of those toss-ups. The money was better in Waco. So I was just like, yeah. I need the money. So I'm going to take it. And plus, it got me closer to my team instead of further. So, well, yeah. I heard Waco has like a very just interesting vibe as a culture in general. Past, you know, the whole, well, you know, um, yeah. Yeah, <coughs> yeah you, you know uh, yeah. What, what was coming. But yeah. yeah, I heard like the city itself has like a, well, I heard it's not really like a city, more like a town it has a yeah. real crazy vibe. Yeah, it's it. Well, I mean, I can't 100% speak to it just because three months after or four months after I moved here, everything went into lockdown. So it's just kind of like, okay. Yeah. You know, you that know. that's that's something I was curious about <laughs> is how lockdown like affected people. Other Because in East Tennessee, like where I live. Yeah basically nothing happened yeah this well, whole time like this whole time the only thing that happened that freaked everybody out is our walmart closes early now and we're not happy about it yeah yeah i get it that's it yeah oh uh, and i've heard that from other people where because we got a lot of connections up in like utah iowa or not iowa idaho and like that whole like pacific or north northwest yeah. area like Northwest, the, you know the 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 middle of nowhere in America that that yeah. erased spot where there's nothing. Yeah, and so like I've been talking to a lot of people, and there one guy was like, for three months he didn't even know there was like a pandemic because he didn't watch the news. He doesn't hardly go online. He's like, yeah, had I not had a couple of friends say something, I literally would not have ever known there was a pandemic going on. And it's like, I swear to God, all right. Whereas here in Waco we're in lockdown on the 19th or 19th of March. I was sent home from work. They're like, all right, you, you work with video cameras and you do a lot of editing. So you're going to work from home. And I'm like, all right. And so ever since March 19th, I've been working from home and they're saying probably until January, maybe depending on how things go. Oh dear God. Yeah. And I mean, oh man, it's annoying because it's like everybody else on my team, they all have like roommates or wives or husbands or boyfriends, girlfriends, you know, whatever the situation is. And here I am. I'm like, I just moved to town. I'm single. Uh, You guys got kids and everybody else. And so you're like mentally there. And I'm like, I wake up in the morning and it's like, okay, I'm here. Well, guys, you you hear that it, Tom needs someone to quarantine with. All right. He's trying to quarantine and chill. All right. Yeah. Now, look at my guy. Look at my guy. That's see that smile. That's a good smile. All right. That's a smile you can quarantine with. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's, so it's, it, it's like, that's one reason why I started doing the podcast. It was just like, all right, I need people to talk to. So I'm going to do the podcast and then, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, it is what it is. I I'm over it. I, I'm not going to I get it. I, I had to sit in my house. And for like, I want to say it was like four days by myself Mm -hmm. and it, 
was exhausting. I, I like I did not know how quiet the mountains were, or how mm-hmm. quiet my house was, or how loud the thoughts in my head were until I got left by myself. And I was like, oh God, yeah. don't ever do this again. Don't do this. Please don't do this. You d- I, I, early on during the pandemic, I found myself, because this is the first place that I've lived that I've actually got like a back porch and a view. So you can't see it because the blinds are down and people walk past my windows all the time. So it's like, I'm not opening these blinds, but there's like yeah. a dry riverbed behind me. And so it's like a whole forest. And mm-hmm. so like, I'll find myself at night, just plopping a chair out on the back deck and listening to the cicadas. Like, cause the cicadas are so loud and it's like, man. I want you to know that that's the most Texas thing I've heard. Uh, yeah. Like happens. what, what do we do in Texas? Well, we pop a chair on the back porch and listen to cicadas around here. Grab a beer, buddy. Yep. Pretty much. And so, you know, it is just trying to find shit to do when I'm not doing yeah. my things. I, I think that's like everybody right now who actually is on genuine lockdown. Like I remember leaving East Tennessee for the first time to go see my mom, uh, to go down to Atlanta and, and see like my little brother and my mother and whatnot. And I was like, I'd never seen Atlanta so quiet. I was like, Oh, this is how y'all live. And y'all want me to move back. <laughs> nah, this ain't happening. But I'm sure, um, Atlanta's still got to be pretty open, though, because I heard um, who's the dude from the NBA that left the, like, quarantine bubble they had there yeah. and went to Magic City. Uh, Matt, so, all right, so Atlanta. Is that, is that a completely different right. part of Atlanta? Okay, where's our, Orlando's Florida, but Magic City is in Atlanta. Um, so when the dude, the, the, Orla- the dude from the team in Orlando who went, yeah, so – Atlanta, there are certain things that once you reopen, even at stage one, you can't keep closed. Otherwise, the general public is going to lose their shit. There's yeah. no other way to say that. And the strip clubs are one of them, especially Magic City. Like, yeah. we, for some reason, like strip clubs and liquor stores and certain other uh, places and dens of sin are just so woven into the fabric of what is Atlanta. That if Atlanta's open, they're open, and if Atlanta's closed, they're closed, and that's that's kind of how it works. Yeah. So they reopened, and we were at like we we're supposed to be like phase one or two or something, and of course at phase one they reopened the strip clubs at half capacity. Yeah. Which I, I don't I don't know how you have capacity a strip club, but and uh, right now they're regretting that decision greatly. Yep. They're just like, oh, no, 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 we shouldn't have did that. No, we, no. But, mm-hmm. but you did and you can't undo it now. So you got to live with it. Yep. Oh, oh man. So funny. That's very funny. So, it's great for me because I'm not a strip club person. So I don't, I don't even see the point. So I just. Yeah. yeah. I was like, hey, oh, look, that thing I wouldn't even have to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember like I was uh living in Tallahassee and for whatever reason I was flying to San Antonio, Texas, and we had to lay over in Atlanta. And for whatever reason, anytime I fly through Atlanta, I can guarantee I'm going to get a three hour rain delay. Every time like clockwork flying through Atlanta. So 
it, it is literally like I could drive through and a hundred percent fine. I've never hit traffic. I never hit rain driving through. But the night. moment you hop in that plane. Yep. It, it's like, you're going to be sitting like, here, buddy. Yep. Like one time I was flying back from San Antonio and I put a move or I knew it was going to take three hours to get to San Antonio. So I put on this movie. It was like a three and a half hour movie. And I'm like, okay, cool. Put it on. I fell asleep and the movie was over and on a like halfway through a completely different movie. And I'm like, looked at the guy sitting next to me. I was like, yo, what's going on? Because this movie is like halfway through and it's like two and a half hours itself. Why haven't we landed yet? Oh, there's a thunderstorm over Atlanta and we've been circling for the last two hours. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so then they call and they're like, we're going to land in Jacksonville. And I'm like, uh, can I just get off the freaking plane? Because I'm going to Tallahassee and it'd make more sense for me to just jump out in Jacksonville, grab an mm. Uber, grab a rental car, grab whatever. Something and, just... and still find yeah. my way out faster yeah. and cheaper than Dylan Dill. Yep. Because I knew I had already missed, or I was going to miss my flight getting into Atlanta because we were in Jacksonville. It was going to take another hour and a half to get to Atlanta once we got cleared for takeoff. And I was just like, yeah, just let me out, like, please. And luckily there was people that were getting out in Jacksonville anyway, so I just kind of snuck out with them. But I hate flying yeah. through Atlanta. Point of that story. I, I get it. I, I, I hate dealing with Delta, so. Yeah. <sighs> I completely understand. Um, so you, you've been kind of doing the, uh, like, the producing thing. You've been building up your media company for, you said, about two years now, right? Yes, sir. Um, what's one thing that you've really, uh, learned about yourself as a musician, as a, as a content creator, honestly, over the last two years? Um, in true Meadows fashion, I inherited my mother's issue with procrastination. My mother will get a job done. Me and her, that's my twin. So we say the same thing. Uh, we'll get it. We'll definitely get the job done, but I didn't realize how much even like a little procrastination can really alter some time. Like, ah, I'm gonna push this off for 20 minutes. Well, that 20 minutes affects my whole daily schedule now. And I'm like, um, that and I, I realized very early on about the first year that I had to like, I had to slow myself down because I've always been one things generally just come fast to me and when something doesn't come fast I will still deal with it mm -hmm. but it is really 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 aggravating like it'll really make me angry. I'm like why don't I get it why don't I get it? like I can understand the most complex things in five minutes like I read books on quantum mechanics in 20 minutes whole textbooks but I can't figure out how to get this cord to plug in um and it was just like all right you know, sometimes maybe I just need to slow down and think about my problems. And maybe I wouldn't have so many problems if I just got up and did it when I was supposed to in the first place. Yep. <laughs> I, I have a very similar issue where I like to make things a little bit more complicated than they really are. They, then they even have to be in the slightest. Yep. yep. And so uh, one thing we've been trying to do is a radio style live stream. So it's like, so we got the live cast, which is like just straight interview. But uh, some people are like, well, we'd really be cool if you had a thing where you could like play music and just talk. 
like, yeah, it's cool. You bring people on, but we just want to hear you talk and speak about whatever's going on. I'm like, okay, cool. And so I had this idea of trying to feed my Spotify playlist into my interface. And so like feeding my Spotify playlist into my interface. And so I'm sitting there and I'm calling my dad on zoom and I'm like, Hey, just sit here for like five minutes and let me know what you hear. He's like, okay, cool. And so I'm feeding the Spotify's uh, list through my interface. And it's like this whole, like I have this diagram of, okay, so we've got this cord plugged into here and then it routes to here and then it routes to here. And then I turn this on and then I turn this off, you know, just like this whole diagram. And it's trying to feed a stereo signal into a, or it's trying basically taking a stereo signal into a mono channel and it's only playing the left and or right uh, input. And so I'm sitting here listening back to it and I'm like, dad, you didn't hear like, you're missing like half the vocals. He's like, oh, it sounded good to me. And I'm like, you, you're, you're sitting, it sounds like he's, doing acapella right now like yeah. you can faintly hear the the instruments but dang it okay and then i come to find out that i didn't have the um the quarter inch adapter all the way plugged in because i have one of those zoom h6 interfaces for the like this yeah stuff. and so like the adapter wasn't plugged all the way in like you got to really push to get it in there and i'm just sitting there like shit okay and i plugged it in and then it worked and then my buddy's like you know zoom you could just feed it straight with the software right and i'm like what wait are you fucking kidding me like i just spent three days trying to trying to get this set up and it was literally as easy as uh in the it's like audio settings share computer audio and i'm like yeah all right I'm done. Yeah, it's like I, I, I just, yeah, just like I give up. Uh, I'm, can I mulligan? Yeah. <laughs> and so then, yeah, so that that's where we're at with that one. And luckily, going back to the procrastination thing, I've been trying to do this for like the last month, and every weekend I can't find an interview, like because I, I want to do like a little small interview to talk about the music that we're playing. And every weekend, it's like hey i got an interview and then like a couple hours before it's like oh the interview canceled okay let's cancel the entire stream because yeah and uh yeah so we'll get it look i i I get it i i've been i have had a few of those where i'm like oh the interview canceled yeah i look at my business partner i'll be like you uh we have to do this uh you 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 want to go get a bottle? <laughs> and he's probably do you have anything that. else to do? No. <laughs> very true. Very true. Like uh, we look like Phineas and Ferb. We'll just be looking at each other like, hey, Ferb, what do you want to do today? Want to go get some Everclear? <laughs> yup. <Ooh>. Yep. <laughs> Everclear. That, that's dangerous stuff right there. Oh, uh, well, man, man. I got. I have stories that aren't for this podcast on Everclear. Let me tell you. No, I'm. I'm sure we've got some similar stories, but <laughs> we'll, we'll save that. We'll save that for the after dark podcast. Yeah, there we after go. After dark podcast. We'll, we'll we'll figure a way to do it. Oh, uh, 
But yeah. So. I mean, I do have the lab after dark. We you had me, I could bring you on. <laughs> All right. That's that's what's <laughs> um so how how's uh What's been the biggest struggle building the lab, building up the lab for you? Um, I think on an honest note, one of the biggest struggles, uh, and there's a few, one being poor. (laughs) No, uh, money is definitely a gatekeeper, but it is a lot cheaper than a lot of people think. Um, I think it's it's finding finding a team and finding people who are going to be consistent is definitely number one. Mm-hmm. And then number two has been like trying to make connections because I am a big 6'2", 250-pound, tattooed-up black guy walking into these meetings in Nashville yeah. with these very, very old white men looking at me like, are you Joseph? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm him. And they're like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm I'm absolutely sure. My mother did name me. I'm I, I had it my whole writing it for much. Yeah, like been writing it for 22 years. Like uh it's I don't know, choosing to I knew that it was gonna be a headache and I was prepared for it, but choosing not to be the clean cut guy, like unfortunately. Because I'm like when I walk into meetings for like rap or hip hop or R and B or or soul or something, that's expected. You know I me, mean? they they expect to see someone like me. It's cool. But when I'm going into things like um, oh, well, I'm gonna sit down with some country stars or you know, some any any basically any other genre where I'm sitting down with any like A and R's or managers, my business partner and I, we've we've gone to uh, a few like national music meetups. Um and we'll be sitting there right next to each other, right? Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Joseph Meadows from Lightning in a Bottle Studios. My business partner is a skinny white dude. Hi, I'm Christopher Brummett from Lightning in a Bottle Studios. But the answers they'll give us are completely separate. So I'll, like I asked, I was like, well, I'm, I'm trying to find more serious musicians to come into the studio and just to make content with, I like, to work with. And they're like, well, we can point you into the right direction for some urban artists. I'm like, but then they'll look at my business partner and he'll be like, hi, same I'm Christopher Brummett from Lightning in a Bottle Studios. And they'll be like, well, here's this whole list of contacts. And we're just like, you know, we're sitting right next to the right. Yeah. And we literally um, just said, said the same studio. The exact same thing. Yeah. And and it's it's not even, I don't even treat it. I understand part of it has to do with race, but I, I notice it even with musicians at any time, anytime you're doing what's not expected. And it doesn't matter what color you are, race, religion, orientation, or lack thereof. Anytime you're doing what people don't expect from you, it's like this glass ceiling that you have to consistently break through. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and... Um, that has been one of the biggest hurdles because on all ends, I, I am, it doesn't matter who it is or who's in front of me. I'm always dealing with someone not expecting me. Mm-hmm. Like 
they expect Joseph Meadows, they see the name, they get some sort of idea of who I am in their head. And then next thing you know, they see my smiling face and they're like, who is this guy? Who brought Tyrone? I'm like, no, I'm Joseph. Yeah. And, um, it, and that has to do with anything. Like it's whether I go like, especially like a, a lot of people when it comes to like my video work, they'll be like, oh, okay, well, this guy's gonna come shoot a rap. Like, we don't want a rap style video. And I'm like, I said, I'm a videographer, not a rap videographer. I'm a videographer. The, and oddly enough, there is quite a difference. There, there, like, there's, I've seen a lot of people, a lot of, well, I mean, on the indie scene, like there's a lot of like yeah. really bad rap videos, like. Yeah, and there's, just, and there's like, but there's people who, you know, like, I, I hate to say it, like there, there's, there's videographers, mm-hmm. and then there's guys with a camera. Yep. And unfortunately, the sea is so big of people who are just guys with cameras claiming they're videographers or claiming that they're photographers that it makes it difficult for you to even get in there or for you to even be able to charge what you're worth. Because that's that's another big hurdle is a lot of people, and it is because a lot of people overcharge and do other things but a lot of people don't want to pay what you're worth because they'd rather go to the cheaper guy. And mm. yeah, they think in their head they're taking a cut in quality, but they're saving on their pocket. And I promise you, this is coming from me because my business partner and I, my, my nickname that's going on the back of my new office chair is Budget God, all right? So I take the budgeting and the saving my pockets very, very serious. But to all musicians, to anyone in the industry, to anyone who, who's a creator, you can only skip so long, trust me. Yep. And it will show. Yep. Um, it's it's better. I know it may take a cut, but if you can only afford to get one rap video or just one piece of content made in general rather than four or five, you need to weigh, you got to got to weigh your quality versus quantity. Mm-hmm. Because if those five are mediocre, but this one is the one that puts you on the map, then you might want to pay that extra. Yeah. Yeah. Because and people people are going to appreciate consistency, but consistency is nothing without quality. Yep, absolutely. And just to kind of feed off of that, there's definitely as a videographer myself, it's what I get paid to do, my 9 to 5 job. I actually I do more editing now just because it's easier COVID. to do co- because of COVID, but like I got my camera Right here, it sits within six feet of me every day. Yeah. You know, I almost dropped it, though. That would have been terrible. Uh, but, you know, it's I've definitely seen a couple of situations where um, I go out to shows and somebody's like, hey, we've got a photographer here taking photos, and it's somebody with a cell phone. It's like they're just sitting there like – you know, and, taking cell phone photos. and you know, I get like everybody. Everybody has to have a start, you know. Yeah. But at a certain point, if you want to be serious, invest in yourself. When you've been doing it for five years and you're still using your cell phone, yeah, yeah, no, cut it, yep. cut it, mm, yep. cut it, nope. So, it, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like when I was living out in New Mexico, I saw, and originally I was like, oh, okay, cool, you know get your start, do your thing. 
And then I went back out four years later and it's the same person doing the same thing using almost the exact same phone. And it's like, yo, you're not, you haven't made enough money to go buy an entry level DSLR or a. Even taxes, man. Like, cause you can go to eBay, buy a Canon T3i for 300 bucks. You're telling me you haven't been able to find 300 bucks in the last four years to buy a T3i? Just saying. Yeah, in, in four years, four, yeah, four not years, one. Yeah. You know, I, I said it's not like a month. You know, it could be a little tough, but four years. Yeah. No, I, I, I get it because, like, for me, we learned very, 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 very quickly, especially since uh, Clarksville just became a major city. Like it, it was just a, like a little city, little township, but it is now the fifth major city in Tennessee, and mm-hmm. that means it's been growing very rapidly, and so is our competition. So we figured out very, 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 very quickly into this game. That progression is key. You have to continue to grow because the moment you stay stagnant, you're basically asking for someone to kick you off the mountain. Yep. If you're not growing, you're dying. That's always kind of been my motto in life. Yeah. And that's- There's no third direction. That's the truth. Nope. And I just referenced the hell out of Tommy Boy. Like, I don't know if you (laughs) thought that, but- Yeah, I did. I did. I just referenced the hell out of Tommy Boy. Um, But- you know, it is what it is. So, no, just to kind of go uh, reiterate some of the stuff that you brought up, like doing, like working and doing, making sure we're inclusive and trying to include all different types of genres is something we as Live and Amplified have really been trying to, trying to do. But unfortunately, we've started getting this stigma of only working with acoustic musicians, which is 100% fine. I get that. And because right now we're in the situation that we're in, we haven't really been able to get out like we want to. And, you know, like usually right now we're traveling, like we're taking like every couple of months, we're taking a week trip to somewhere. Yeah. That's, that's, that's us over here. Um, If not, like, honestly, when we get, uh, as soon as we get off of this, right. Yeah. Me and my business partner are out back to Clarksville for a week. We got to come back here. Then we're out back to Charlotte for about two weeks. Mm-hmm. Then we're coming back here. Then I'm out to New Jersey for a month. So, yeah, no, I completely get it. And so, like, usually, like, usually the breakdown is January, we're in Nashville for three days, and then we go down to the Florida Keys for four days. So, like, and then, like, March, I go to Tampa because they have like the Gasparilla Music Festival, which is yeah. a surprisingly huge music festival. Like I've heard festival. about it. Yeah. The and so there's that. And then now it's like, okay, well, we'll stay in Waco because South by Southwest, you got all the musicians. Nine times out of ten, they're flying into Dallas. What city do you got to go through to get to Austin? Waco. Yeah. And so it's just like grabbing every musician we can. Um, and then usually right around this time, we're taking a trip to up somewhere, Utah, Montana, you know, somewhere up there. And right now it's like, haven't been able to do that. And your business partner just is appearing behind you. That's. Oh, uh, no, that was actually my big brother. Okay. Gotcha. They, they, they saw you, you know, dip your extra light bright self into the screen. You know, you blinded the man's eyes. 
Wow. So I didn't say all right that. Five head. I didn't say all that, but. His five head is polished. He waxes it every morning. Oh, <laughs> I got you. But, uh, you know, it's just one of those deals where it's like, we haven't been really able to go anywhere, which is great because it's like, I'm not dropping $1,500 every couple of months to go somewhere. So it's like, you mean I can actually get myself out of debt here? Hopefully, maybe. Maybe, you know. Yeah. But unfortunately, that the American dream. Yeah. But unfortunately, come next year, I'm going to have to get myself a new car because this one's already got like almost 200,000 miles on it. And it's like held together by chewing gum and duct tape. And it's like, oh, shit. Okay. Oh, well. But not chewing gum. Not chewing gum. <laughs> at, at least like some liquid nail or something. Not chewing gum. Oh, Lord. I mean, is it is it quality chewing gum? Like, is it hubba bubba? Or are we talking about like Dollar Tree sparkle? No, it's hubba bubba. Oh, uh, okay. Or double bubble gonna, or whatever, you know. I don't know. You know, I feel like they changed the name. Like, you know, the uh, the Beerstein, Bearstein Bear thing? I feel yeah. like that now. Like, as a kid, I'm looking at these these gums, and I'm like, this is not what this red. I know. I ate this a lot, okay? Yeah. And I just know that this is not what that said. Yep. yep. I completely understand. Uh, so, so you're getting ready to do a lot of traveling over the next couple of months. Um, are, and you're planning on expanding. So what, what's kind of the strategy as you look to start expanding? Um, so here at the lab, we've had a very interesting model of expansion. Um, you know, normally, especially when you think of a studio expanding, it's like, oh man, they're gonna go in and buy these buildings. And um, Generally what we like to do is a partnership with whoever's in the area. Mm-hmm. And that's just because uh, it's the same thing with Charlotte. Like when we went to Charlotte, we were blessed enough to be able to sponsor the underground arts battle, um, which is the, the biggest, I can't even call it like, music competition it was the biggest arts competition in charlotte and um they're they're great people out there i really love them miss bunny is the woman who's the founder she runs it her daughter kenji's they're they're just they're amazing people and um we sponsored it and what we did there was each winner of each portion we worked out a deal with so um there's a young man isaiah on the beat we brought him on as an engineer for the studio, the artist, um, Abby Paint, she's a really amazing artist. Uh, as soon as we get things finished, situated with these walls, she's coming to paint all the walls. Um, every area that we go in, yeah, I may be a guy kind of bankrolling some of this, but it has to be ran by, employed by, decorated by people in that area, from that area. And that's the most important thing to me. So me being from Atlanta, when I go to Atlanta, the first set of people are people from Atlanta. Yeah. Anyone doing the walls, doing the art is is people from the city. It's, it's gonna be the same when we go to Memphis, um, when we put a, a proper location here in Knoxville. Uh, we want to work with people there to create opportunities for people there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know what studio time and other things can cost. I know what studio time can cost, but 
if you go look at our website, thelab931.com, or you go to our Instagram at thelab931, or at the lab 704 you'll see where our prices and everything is set. And a lot of people come to me, even my other studio friends, and they're like, how do you make any money? And it's like, we, we lower the price, not even to undercut our competition or something. I wanted to create a platform for everybody. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the last thing I wanted to do was become a gatekeeper. Yeah. Trying to milk nobody so, savings on some music. Yeah, as, as Mr. to say, we're not trying to milk anyone on their life savings for some music. That's that's yeah. ridiculous. It's, yeah. I, I figure the the easier, the lower the bar for entry is, right, and the easier it is to get into the industry, the more, and to get into the industry in a proper way. You know, yeah. anyone can go buy a microphone, you can go buy a Blue Yeti, you can do whatever. <clears throat> you can go buy like a little point and shoot, you can do a million things, but to have access, to be able to professionally work at an affordable rate, right? Means that the amount of creativity is going to explode. Mm-hmm. The amount of new content, the amount of new sounds, the like you're, you're opening the door for the changes in the industry that need to happen. Because as we see, the industry is going to change mm-hmm. without anyone's permission. So I'd rather not be a guy against that change. And so whenever we go into the city, we go and we're like, all right, who can we work with who's genuinely interested in creating a platform for their city? Who's genuinely interested in doing something for that city? And then we go in and we do that and we help them do that. And in return, that strategy has helped us out with dividends. because the people know that it's for them and about them. Yeah. And yeah, like, yeah, it's a business. You know, like, hey, I got to charge you. It is a business. But no, I'm not breaking your head for it. No, I'm, I'm not the, the big bad gatekeeper. I'm not going to play with your stuff. Like, we have it set up um, across all locations and for all continued locations where you can have a running tap. It's for yeah. touring artists. So um, someone can start here. And, like, if they come to Nashville, and they're like, all right, we need to come out to Clarksville. We need to record cool but then they're like look my next show is in memphis and i gotta leave but i'm not trying to you know have to pay for a whole another set of hours yeah. they got four hours left on their time that just yeah. trans over transfers over to memphis yeah and it's already taken care of they can go slide straight into the city go straight to work yep and they're good yeah um because i want to i wanted to make everything as easy as intuitive as possible for the creator, not just musicians, but for videographers. Um, we also host and deal with podcasts. Shout out to the Dub C and Pash podcast, the number one podcast in Clarksville. Those ugly SOBs that I get to call friends. Um, we we want to make sure that you can do every, everything and create everything. And be able to have that quality that you need, not want, but need as a creator behind mm-hmm. you and a team behind you. Because yeah. that's what a lot of people lack. A lot of people have talent out here, man, yeah. and don't have a team. They don't have anyone helping them. And it's you can do it yourself. Yeah. But it is so difficult. Yep. It's agonizing. Yeah. It's uh and we no, we just we we wanted to make sure that that. It didn't have to be. If it if it didn't have to be, it didn't have to be. Yeah, no, I I 100% agree. Uh, you know, it's like we're, we're 
kind of running parallel paths here where, where we've kind of got the same same mission as far as the lab and live and amplified except uh our, we're a little bit different in the fact that we're trying to disrupt the music industry we're, we're trying to be that change so, oh, oh, don't, oh, don't worry. We have some disruptions, but I can't just let all my secrets out now, Tom. That's a private conversation. Oh, I got you. I got you know, you. you know the moment that you start telling the man that you're destroying the system, they build it better. No, no, it's we're 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 very. Um, you know what I really enjoy about what you're doing is the whole um, like being able to jump from studio to studio. Like so, if set up for touring artists that's really cool that that's really cool and like the fact and i guess it makes a lot of sense because you own everything like you own all the different properties and what have you correct or are you um, with different studios we we add, we partner with um generally with our engineers so when it comes to the properties it's we've we found ourselves some weird stuff like 931 we own that 704 is a partnership with uh, Bad Drug Productions there. Mm-hmm. Any any guy who calls himself Bad Drug, you just know you're in for a good time. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, because when, when we deal with our heads of locations, when we strike our deals, they're unique in every way in every city. Mm-hmm. Because we may have one guy, like in Memphis, the engineer is going to be running Memphis. He doesn't have a studio location. He has yeah. equipment. He has no location. So it's like, yeah. all right. How can we, we kind of fill in the gaps for them. Like, how can we help you? What can we do? So if you've already got a location, all right, well then how can we help you? And if you don't have a location, well, let's get you a location. Yeah. And we help fill in the gaps. That way, you feel me, whoever's running the location, they're not swimming in cost. We're not swimming in cost. Because if you're, com- if you're comfortable where you're at, you're competent where you're at, and you can do your job where you're at, well, then we're going to leave you where you're at. It's the same reason that Sundays and Mondays are not work days here. They're off our schedule because Mondays are, well, literally the worst day of the week and yeah. no one wants to work them. So if you don't want to work them, well, I'm going to make them work. If you're comfortable, if you have a, a location that more than fits the bill for what we need, you know, and you're comfortable where you're at, I'm not going to make you move. And then we got to redo your stuff and yeah. you got to get comfortable in a new space or with new equipment. Nah. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. Because you. your best work is going to come from where you're comfortable at. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's it's one thing to kind of challenge yourself and become a better engineer or a better producer and upping your quality, but just moving people for the sake of moving people, I 100% agree. Like, Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's never been my thing. Like, I, I feel like not only will it show in your work, but the client will know too. You know what I mean? If you're uncomfortable, whether it's verbal or not, you, you give off more than enough body language to show like, hey, I'm not really comfortable here. And when people come in, especially when they're paying money, it is an honor because you're being, whether they're paying you or not, you're being trusted with this person's career. You're being trusted with this person's craft. You're being trusted with this person's art on a very serious and intimate level. Like the, I respect the, the relationship between engineer and artist. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't think about it, but it's a very, very serious and intimate relationship that no one thinks about because the artist is trusting you to make them sound nice to mix and match them they're trusting you to tell them when they need to fix something they're trusting you to make sure that they have this quality with their work yeah. you feel me yeah. like 
paying you or not, they're still choosing to pay you and trust you to do this. And that's something that's very beautiful that I think a lot of people overlook. So why would you want to come and trust this guy with your baby, basically, yeah. if this guy doesn't even look comfortable doing his job at his yeah. at his job? Yeah. And, you know, it's... Ooh, I'm going to try and figure out how to weave this one in there because this is something I've been wanting to say for a really long time. And I might just come out and say it. So I've, I like the honesty that you're bringing because, and the, like, it seems like you hold all of your producers accountable for everything that they do working with you. Absolutely. Which I've seen so many fly by night producers that think they know what they're doing. And so they come in, they like the same thing we were talking about for videographers. They're like, they, they say they're producers and yep. they charge, like they bring somebody in. It's like, Hey, I'm just looking to do four track or uh, one song. It'll be four tracks, vocal, backup, guitar, rhythm, you know, like whatever the setup yeah. is. Um, and they'll come in. And it's like, okay, I can do that in that one song, the way you described it for a hundred bucks, you know, like give them some like super yeah. low ball offer. And then they come in, cut it. And then they send them the song. And it's like this super produced song with drums, with synth, with, you know, like all, all this stuff things. they didn't even ask for. They didn't even yeah. want. And then they come yeah. in and it's like, okay, so this is going to be $600. And yeah. it's like, well, this isn't what I asked for. Like, I'm not paying $600 for this. It's like, well, it's too late. Uh, this is how the song is. And it's like, no. Yeah, no, I, 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 I no, I, I can't stand that. All of my producers, all of my engineers know, um, because I know you know, but for yeah. some people, the reason I say producers and engineers is because it's, a producer is a producer, an engineer is an engineer. A yep. producer can be an engineer, an engineer can be a producer. It does not always mean they are the same thing. Yep. Um, it's like a, a rectangle being a square, but a square not being a rectangle, you know? Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I hold them accountable because, like I said, that is a very intimate relationship. And not only does it affect the business, but on a greater scale, because I, on, on a real note, right? Mm -hmm. and I'm going to say something a lot of studio owners very rarely say, right? Mm -hmm. Unless they actually care about the craft itself, like me and a few other people, yeah. most studio owners do not care. You're in, you're out, you're a number. Yeah. And that's just the unfortunate truth. For me, I care, and I, I care about the effect that it has on your outlook and your want to do music when you walk out my studio. Like, whether I'm in your session or not, if you work with someone on my team, if you work in my building, I want you to feel nothing but comfortable. Yeah. I want you to walk out of there wanting to do whatever it is you're doing more, wanting to pour more into it, feeling yeah. more confident about it, feeling like, yes, I got this. You feel me? Yeah. Yeah. I never want anyone to walk out like, man, well, I guess, or he didn't like it. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to be honest with you because rule number I want to stay seven is, if you're trash, we're going to tell you, but we tell yeah. you out of love. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to ruin that because I, I personally know that I had a studio experience that soured me and it, it wasn't for music. Um, it was a, a photography studio 
And I walked out of there feeling dejected. I walked out there. Really, I almost threw my camera away. Mm. Um, I, I, I was younger than I was like 18. And instead of taking the opportunity they had to teach me and to help improve me, they, they took every opportunity to basically be like, well, look, kid, cut the shit and get on somewhere. You know, this is grown man business. And at that time, you know, I was taking it serious. And honestly, um, it was like a conversation with my mom and my girlfriend at the time. And they were like, are you fucking stupid? Don't you dare throw this camera away. Yeah. But I remembered and I always remembered how that experience made me feel just walking out of there and then to talk to other people and find out that just across studios in general, that's that's a common thing. Like it's it's common for you to walk out and be like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I've seen now doing this a lot of people who had real promising careers throw it all away because they went into an environment, especially at such a vulnerable time, because when you're making music, especially when you're making real music, real raw music, yeah. that's vulnerability at yeah. its finest. And whether an engineer, a producer, or anyone in the industry means to, a lot of times they can take advantage of that vulnerability or be very inconsiderate of that and completely crush what could have been the next biggest thing or the next craziest thing because they didn't care. Because a lot mm-hmm. of times people get to this position and they forget that they were that guy just a second ago. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've always done my best to make sure that I wasn't forgetting was like, I, I was that guy. Yeah. A lot of times, sometimes I, I just, I see stuff and I'm like, oh no, I'm still that guy. Like, oh, I don't like this. And it's, I still have to have people come around me and be like, no bro, this is good, you know? Yeah. Um. And I don't want anyone to ever walk out of anything that I have my hands on and feel like that guy, if I can help it. Yeah, I was definitely in a very similar situation. Coming out of college, uh, school had gassed me up so much that I felt like I was untouchable. Like, I was the best. I was the shit, you know, nobody was going to do anything better than I could do. And then I got an internship working for a baseball team, and they beat the shit out of me. Like they ran me through the ringer like you're talking 90 hour work weeks making 500 bucks a month like and just standing yeah staying standing by standing behind a camera for six hours and just like ringing you like I, i independent baseball and interning there it was like they ran me through the ringer and it was when i left that i was just like yo, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, this isn't fun. This isn't what I signed up for. all the joy out of it, didn't it? I'm not as good, or (coughs) they proved to me I'm not as good as I thought I was. Thanks, school, for gassing me up. Um, And then I was like 100% key. I was 100% settled on just going into the TV industry and working behind the scenes and just kind of, okay, that's my life. And then I moved out to New Mexico and uh met my sound engineer just by pure chance a a guy asked me to shoot a very shitty music video like you want to talk about a shitty music video this was the shit among shit um like king shit oh not king shit the king shit emoji even oh fuck oh and he was running a sound or he was running a uh like a studio out in roswell new mexico and he was like hey man come back by 
later this week, uh, I got something I want to talk to you about. And we worked on another music video. And then I pitched him the idea for Live and Amplified. And Live and Amplified was kind of what got me out of the uh, out of the abyss, I guess I would say. So I, I'd say the same for the lab because I I hit a point before we did this where I was like, I don't want to do this shit anymore. Yeah. I looked at my wife uh, at the time. She wasn't my wife. Um, when I when I looked at her and said this, and I was like, I was working the moving job for the first time, and I, I looked at her and I said, baby, I think that I'm just, this is good money. I think that this is just what I'm going to do. Like, yeah. we can just live up here. And I'm, at that time, I was making eight, or no, I just moved up to 20 an hour. Okay. And I was like, I can do this, and then this could just be our life. Because it was something like, now, now, looking back at it, in all honesty, I think I would have like blown my cap uh, if I tried to do that for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. But at that time, I was just ready to settle, and I was just like, I can do this. Like I can do this. It's good money, and I can take care of us, and I'm cool just being the moving guy for the rest of my life if that's what I got to do. Cause I was just over it. I was, yeah. I was just like, yeah, no. And then, um, I met up with Nashville's biggest alcoholic. <laughs> uh, I met up with my business partner and I was like, Oh, I kind of want to live again. Let's do this. Yeah. And I haven't looked back. Like, honestly, I, 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 I take every day as a blessing that I get to do this. I love my job. Yeah. I, every headache, every struggle, every aggravation, uh, every time my wallet is extremely light and screaming out in pain, uh, especially when I go get new camera equipment. Yep. Um, every bit of it, I, I I wouldn't trade it. I couldn't trade it. What kind of a uh, camera are you shooting with right now? Oh, you're gonna get a laugh. Okay. Uh, I've fallen in love with, even though now I've fallen in love with it because for my purposes, I am getting a different platform for doing live streams and right whatnot because you know i need that clean hdmi out but what i've fallen in love with because it's cheap and i've been able to beat the living hell out of it and not break it yet the yi m1 okay um it is a platform i haven't i only have one of the kit lenses but it has a platform uh I'm, i'm a big fan of vintage lenses and salvage lenses. I'm like, ooh, can I go get it? And is it older than me and my grandmother put to combine? All right, I like it. Uh, and it shoots 4K. It shoots raw. It it does everything I need to do. Um, it's a micro four thirds, just standard little beat around thing. So it can take about most of everything until you know you see Sony and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but all the adapters that I've had to find from my lenses. Cause I like, I, uh, I've fallen in love with the Olympus OM lenses and all that. Um, and I got, I got one PK, one Pentax K mounted, uh, my 35 to 75. Mm-hmm. Um, all the, I think the most we've ever spent on an adapter is 22 bucks. Okay. Um, and it does everything I needed to do. It was just, it was like, all right, I, I saw it and I fanboyed over it when I first saw it, when it first came out, God knows when. Yeah. <laughs> and then, we were sitting, we had spent all this money on the studio equipment. You know, we, we needed our, our big mixer to upgrade from our Behringer, yeah. from our little baby Zenix. It's like, all right, well, let's move to the big old 
PV, 16 channel, 8 bus. Um, and, you know, we were like, we need this microphone and we got to soundproof this. And we built our booth. Like we, we flooded out two studios yeah. and there we were sitting there and we had like, I want to say three, $400. And I was like, I've been looking at this. I want it. Like, I was looking at all the camera outs and I was like, I had a Sony A5100 and mm -hmm. I was going to get it. But I told myself um, that if I went to, back to the Sony platform, that I was, I was going big boy. Yeah. I was getting the Sony A7. Like, I'm, I'm shooting. So yeah. until I can get that, I don't want it, you know? I'm, I'm kind of I'm like a kid. Yeah. I, 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 I have what I call brand fetishes. So yeah. like my studio is flooded out in Behringer yep. because I love it. Yep. I just really like it. I like the Behringer logo. Something about it is just, you see it and you're like, ooh. You see their equipment and you're like, ooh. Yep. Um, as you're wearing Behringer. Yeah, as I'm wearing good old Behringer. Sponsor me. Yep. Sponsor yep. me. And you know, that it's funny you say that because it's like, we're very much the same. Like every microphone we use, it's MXL. Like Nice. I've been I've been thinking about moving to them. I'm not gonna lie. It, they're like for what like for the price range and the like what every like you have to go back and kind of find like their older stuff because I think some of their older stuff is a little bit better than the newer stuff they're coming out with. So you got to go to like peruse Amazon, eBay, you know yeah. all that stuff. But so like MXL is our mics. That's who we use. For a minute there, we had like a fake sponsorship where they sent us a bunch of free mics to use um to because we were getting ready to go up to montana and we were gonna like bang out like we were working with like 20 different bands up in montana and salt lake city and they're like hey do you need some new mxl mics because we could send you stuff if you promise to plug us in all those videos and i'm like okay like and so they sent us like a whole bunch of mics and it ended up working out all right um and then so then like all our interfaces we use are zoom interfaces uh, so like the Zoom H6, and then our our big boy is the R24, which is like a self-sustaining <laughs> interface. Yeah. Um, we're looking to move to the L20 here soon because we keep running out of interfaces. <laughs> like anytime we bring it, we keep running out of uh, inputs. And yeah. so it's like taking the R24 and the H6 and like daisy chaining them together. And it's like, Dude, we we've been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it it's one of those things where it like if it if it was a matter of we were just in one solid location, we'd go get ourselves a nice beefy interface, sit it down and never have to move it. But since we move a lot, we kind of have to, you know, fig find the best mobile interface and yeah. Right now Zoom is killing it. Oh. Um, I I'm hearing about it. I'm here. You, you almost got me convinced, man. Now, I'm telling you, I love, I love Big Daddy Behringer. All right, but you, you, you keep talking to Zoom to me, and I might be zooming my way over there. Yeah. Well, they like the so right now I'm using the H6, which is like one of their original portable interfaces. Yeah. And they just released the H8, which is very misleading because it's got 10 inputs and it's like, well, then why is it the H8? Because you'd think it'd be like the H10. H10, yeah, like. So it, it, whatever, I'm not gonna sit here and argue with it. But so it's like audio wise, it's Zoom, it's MXL. 
and then cameras. Everybody makes fun of me for it, but I love Nikons. That was my starter camera. I hate Canon. If it's not Sony, it's Nikon to me, and like that's it. So I'm, I'm happy to see someone else who's who's on the Nikon wave. So like my main camera that I shoot with is uh, the Nikon D7500. Nice. Yep. Uh, so like I when I moved to Florida, I cashed in my 401k. And I was like, I'm buying myself a beefy camera because before it was always like the 3300 or the 3200, whatever I had. That, that was that was my starter was the D3300. Yep. Oh, actually, my starter camera, I, I kind of jumped the gun a little bit. My starting camera was a Blackmagic Pocket Cinema camera. I, I, I jumped the gun. Um, and then I still have it, but I don't hardly use it just because the data or like the we burn through memory cards so much like and it's impossible to color match with the nikon or i mean it's not impossible, but it's like but it's it's a headache yeah it's a headache to color match and it's just like shit okay we're gonna stick with the nikon and i'll keep the pocket camera over there just in case i want to get crazy and you know use a crash cam or something yeah you want to you want to shoot game of thrones or some crazy stuff you know yeah pretty much uh but I moved over to Nikon and everybody's like, no, you got to go to Canon. And so it's funny, like when we switch back and forth because the focal, like focusing is the opposite way on Nikon. I argue it's the opposite way on Canon, Yeah. but you know, tomato, tomato. Yeah. And you know, it's just very funny, but. Yeah. It's it's great. I get that argument a lot because it's like everyone, everyone's told me, it's like, so when are you going to get a Canon? And I'm like, I'm not. That's that's when when I die. That's when when hell freezes over. Well, why? I'm like, look, if, if that's the platform that works for people, that's cool. I just yeah. I've always felt more comfortable. Like when I when I left Nikon, mm-hmm. I left Nikon to go to Sony. Yeah, and that's where I fell in love with mirrorless. Yeah. Um, and I I was like, oh my god, because I I travel with so much gear and equipment and just random stuff. Like having that little mirrorless camera slide in my just, Yep. Awesome. Yep. Um you know, and it's one of those things is like people ask me, it's like, well, how come you don't like switch cameras or like try other cameras? And it's like you don't understand like these are people that aren't in yeah. as deep as we are. It's like once you start investing in lenses, you know how expensive lenses are? Mm-hmm. Like I bought um a couple of years ago, I had bought a Rokinon Cine Prime lens. It was a yeah. It was a thirty-five millimeter Prime lens, because I was just like, you know what, I need to start building this kit out, and you know, I'll just start piecing it together. I guess at this point, because at that time you can get them on eBay for like a hundred and fifty. If you like found the right person, really, yeah, you get it for like one hundred and fifty, two hundred bucks, and you weren't paying like super high end prices, and one day I was out on a shoot. I was, this buddy of mine had this idea for a superhero film that he wanted to produce. And he's like, you're the only videographer I trust with this. And I'm like, all right, I'll are, shoot it. Like, are you sure about that? Like, I was like, all right, I'll shoot it. And so this one day, it was like the last day of the shoot and there was a storm coming in. And I was like, dude, we got to get this last shot or we're going to get rained out. And I'm leaving in six days because I was getting ready to leave to go to uh, Tallahassee. And I was like, I'm leaving in a week. 
I don't know if we're going to be able to finish this film if we do not get this shot right now. And so I go grab my camera and I'm running across the street to get this shot. And I go, I didn't realize that um, basically I jammed the focal ring on my Cine Prime. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like trying to crank, trying to get the shot in focus and it's not budging. And I'm like, fuck. And he's like, what, what's going on? I was like, when I grabbed the camera off the stand, I must've bumped the tripod plate. I must've done something and I just jammed my lens and I don't know if I'm going to be able to fix this. Somebody grabbed my bag and I had like, I had like my trusty nifty 50. Everybody's got their. Nifty uh, yeah. You got to have the nifty 50. And so I was just like, fuck it. I'll use this. And so I threw it on there and I started shooting with it. And the entire time in the back of my head, I'm like, God, I hope I didn't break that, that 35 prime because that is like the best lens I've ever owned. And right now it is currently sitting in my mom's spare bedroom in peace. Yeah. Because I took it apart and now I can't figure out how to put it back together. Oh man. And so, and I haven't even fixed it yet. Like I don't even know what's wrong with it. And so it's just like, you know what, at this point, I'll just go find another one on eBay and just let that one kind of rest in peace. So I, my, when it comes to lenses, my business partner hates me. Cause like every, every like month or so, I'll just look at him and be like, Hey, Chris, so I found this lens and uh, I really think we should put it in budget. <laughs> Do you need this lens? Define need. I need it in my life. I need it in my soul. Do I need it in my kit? Of course, I'm going to tell you yes, so that I can get it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and no one else gets like the glass affixation that I like. I, like, look, this gets serious. First of all, this costs more than our cameras nine times out of 10, yep. even going for vintage. Cause I have an affinity for like certain lenses. I'm real particular. Cause yeah. you know, the lens is basically the whole eye of your camera. So you, yep. it's how every it's how you and everyone's going to view this. And I'll be looking and looking and everyone's like, like even my wife, can you stop buying goddamn lenses, Joseph? I'm like, nah, I'm gonna do it again. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna do it again. Oh, uh, and it's 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 serious. Yeah, it really is. And you know, I one one thing I used to like to do is go to like three or uh, swap meets, and there's always somebody there that has lenses that they don't know what to do with, or they don't know what they're worth. And so, like, I'm yeah, I'm there, telling you. Hey, and so I'm sitting there, like, I bought pick up like this one 135 millimeter, like super low f-stop you know and they're like uh i've had that for six years will you give me five bucks for it and i'm like so yeah I, I go on ebay and it's like I, I don't know if this guy knows but i could sell this lens on ebay and make like 300 bucks off him like that's how good this lens. every every time i have um i have one that came off of some my mom because it came my mom had this really rare Minolta from Japan. Okay. Like this really, it was like one of those years, it just didn't, it, 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 they didn't make them long, right? Yeah. And, cause Lord knows I can't remember what it was. It, 
I love film cameras, but not enough to remember anything about them because yeah. I can't use them. They're not practical. Yeah. And uh, I looked at the lens and I eBayed the lens that my mom just gave me for free after yelling at me for 30 I can't have anything. You always want something, God damn it. And next you're going to want me to take the pictures for you too. Blah. I was like, yeah, yeah, actually I am. If you can make my job easier, that'd be great. And I'm like, oh, this is a $400 lens. And I, I went back to my mom. I was like, so let me tell you, um, thank you for my birthday present. Don't even worry about what you're going to buy me. For what? Do you know how much this lens is? No, it pays three-fourths of your rent. Wow. And she was just like, <gasps> I'm like, yeah, thank you. Like, that is, thank you. And no, you, there's no get-backs. There's no get-backs. Nope. Nope, nope, no take-backs. No, it's nope. funny because I, like, I literally have no use for a 135-millimeter prime lens. Like, there's yeah. nothing in this world that I'm going to shoot that I'd need a 135-millimeter lens for. But... I have it. It's sitting here. It's like maybe one day. But so what? One last story. I went to um, a swap meet a few years back, and this lady had a bag, like like one of those old school VHS camera bags, full of Canon lenses, just like assorted, sorted Canon lenses. And I'm looking at them. I was like, well, I don't really have any uh, use for Canon lenses. And she saw me looking at them. She's like. Hey, do you know anything about cameras? And I'm like, yeah, a little bit. Why? What's... She's like, I've had these cameras or these lenses forever. Nobody will buy them. I don't know what they're worth. Will you make me a fair offer? And I'm looking at them. And my dad's like, I think you can get them for like 20 bucks. Because there was like literally 15 lenses. And there's nothing yeah. like overly crazy. Special, talking like yeah. Lenses and maybe a nifty 50 or you know just like basic stuff and yeah. i'm like man but for 20 bucks i could flip all of these and probably make a good four or five hundred dollars and my dad's just feeding this into my head and i'm like yeah but look at this lens it's like damaged on the outside you can't even see like focus mark mm -hmm. you can't even see some of these markings and i took one of the caps off and it was like all sun scorched and shit and i'm like man these lenses really aren't worth anything unless like I wasn't looking at them 100% closely. Like, I wasn't taking them out and, like, looking through the... Yeah, you were just like, hey, yeah, no. Just just trying to go through it. And she's, like... She's, like, really pushing me to buy these. And I'm like, man, I just looked at two lenses, and they're both sun-scorched. What are the odds the rest of these are? Mm -hmm. And my dad's like, but you could make money off that. You should buy them. And, like, he's just nudging at me the entire time. And I'm like... Nah, I ain't gonna buy these. These lenses ain't worth nothing. And you know, so it's just like I think back about that, and it's like I wonder if I could have made money off of that. I mean, I'm sure I could have, but it's it's crazy because like I tell people, and it's crazy how many people don't know. Like yeah. if if the general public knew how much more important lenses were than the body, yeah. We would be getting bodies for like 100, 150 and lenses for like 200, 300 for the, the most bullshit ones. Yeah. Because when my camera bag drops, I don't give a damn about that ye. Yeah. Okay, it's $250. I can make that. I'll fix it. That ye, yeah. fuck it. 
the first thing I run to is, oh my God, my lenses are my baby's okay. Oh, uh, oh, is there a scratch? Every everything works. Oh, great, great. Uh, and then I then I go to my body like, ah, oh, this piece of shit's fun. Okay. <laughs> like, let me tell you, I'm not gonna lie to you. I kept so because I'm just, I'm a I'm a very like minimalist for someone who likes extras when it comes to my workflows, when it comes to me actually moving, I'm a minimalist utilitarian person. Like, does it work? Okay. That's all I care about. So this is going to terrify you uh, as, as a, as a camera aficionado, you're going to be like, Oh, so would you like to know what I carried my lenses and my camera body in? Uh... Up, up until literally um, about last month. Actually, no, earlier this month, up until like the 4th or the 5th. Okay. It can't be any worse than me and my friends, so I, I'm, a, I'm interested to hear this. Uh, because I'm a drinker. Got a lot of crown bags. Okay. And literally, they're just thrown in a crown bag, right? Uh-huh. My body's in one. And then all of my lenses are in this big peach crown bag. And they're all sitting so that they're sitting flat. So that when I open the crown bag, I can just pick one and go. Yeah. And like most of them have caps, not, not yeah. all, like a few of them, but they're just thrown into here. And then they're thrown into my H&M book bag. And that's where they were for like the past six months. Like okay. I went everywhere and I would come on to photo shoots and there'd be like other photographers and stuff where I'd just be like going out and They'd be like, oh, what's he finna whip out? And I just pull out these two crown bags and they're like, oh, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, let me pull out my camera. And then I'm like, I just dig my, like, I don't even look because you know, at a certain point, you know your lenses by feel. Yeah. So I just dig my hand into the ground bag and pull it out and they're like, oh! and I'm like, yeah, yeah. That's how this is. I thought you were gonna say you put your lenses in individual crown bags, and it's like that's not that crazy. But no, putting- no. If I was smart, yes. Yeah. But but at the time, I was like, well, they. I, I was looking. And I was like, because I had like, because uh, I do graphic art and stuff too. Yeah. So I was like, I have my drawing pad, like my sketch pad, in my book bag, and this little travel laptop, and I got this hard drive, and I got this, and I've got my little, you know, those little cheap foldable metal shoulder mounts that, yeah, I got, it's just, it's just my little travel kit, so I'm like, yeah. right, I got this, and I got this, and I'm like, I got space for two bags. Yeah. That's it. Yep. To go in this book bag. All my, I was like, well, all of my lenses fit in this. Yes, they will. Let's go. Yep, absolutely. It's, uh, it's almost as bad as when I first started using, when I first got my Blackmagic cinema camera, you know what I kept everything in? Huh? You know those um, like file cases, like the black things that uh, they have, like the locks on it. Yeah. I put everything in that with a piece of foam bedding that I found at Hobby Lobby. Oh dear God! I mean, at least you had the foam bedding. You're better than me. <laughs> and my buddy. But even still. Yeah. Well, because like the. I knew it would be safe, but my concern was the foam wasn't shockproof. So if static electricity, rule number one, will destroy your camera quicker than you can possibly imagine. Yep. Um, But luckily, I didn't have that issue. But no, my buddy, he kept all his... 
he was one of them guys that believed <laughs> the same thing that you believe the lenses make the shot, not the camera. So he had a Canon T3, like not even a T3i, just a T3 mm-hmm. with a 50 mil Zeiss Prime. Ooh. Like he Ooh. put a lot of money into this just to put it in a gym bag wrapped in a sweatshirt. I'm like, if, if it works, man, I'm telling you, if it works, it works. All right. <laughs> And that is just like, yo, dude, if that jit, like, you know what the first thing to fall out of an overly packed car is? It is the gym bag, not anything mm-hmm. else. The gym the, bag. It just rolls, like, as soon as the door opens, it cracks, and it's just like, Fum. Yep. And one of our first shoots, what happened? I popped the back trunk, gym bag rolls out, and he almost has a damn heart attack, because he's like, my Zeiss is in there. And I'm like, I told, I fucking told you, dude. And he's like, I- what? That's what I got insurance for. And I'm like, all that right. must be nice. Yeah. I, I can't. I, like, look, it it terrifies me when my dog sniffs too close to my camera bag. Yeah. All right. I'm like, look, I swear to God, Jackson, I will fight you. All right. And my dog always looks at me like, why are you talking to me like this? And I'm like, my camera is in there. All right, that is more important than you. I love you, but that is more important than you right now, because yeah. that's what makes dad money. Uh, <laughs> gotcha. That's so funny, man. But um, I don't want to keep you too much longer because I know you mentioned that you guys got to travel and you're getting ready yeah. to get back, back out. But um, what's kind of the uh, plan moving forward as? hopefully COVID doesn't really become a bigger issue than it is. Well, what's kind of the plan moving forward? Um, for us over here at the lab, really, it's just to, to keep growing and to keep providing that platform for artists. We're, we're trying to, to really solidify like everything Mm -hmm. so that this year you know yeah we're dealing with the rona but one of the things that you notice time and time again is in the hardest of times the businesses that can weather that storm and the people themselves are generally the ones that come out on top Mm so really it's just to do what everyone else is doing and to survive and hopefully hopefully not hopefully hopefully survive my english today which is not happening just to survive and hopefully thrive uh, as best as possible um and to create create creating a a safe platform for artists because that's dealing with the rona that's one of our our number one things now the the rona uh dealing with the rona is is to try to create a safe platform for artists you know where they're not going to catch the rona because I think that's what everyone's really worried about right now. Like that's, like you said, the hold up for you guys on getting anyone to come in to perform, the hold up on some of our content is, which is interesting because I can get people to come pay to record during the Rona, but they're scared to come make some content. And I'm like, it's literally the same thing. Yeah. You just add a camera. Yeah. And you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, I I think the hesitation is right now is that not everybody's traveling. So a lot of the musicians that we have like established relationships with aren't 
out traveling, so we can't like lure them. Well, in Waco, yeah. it's not as easy as to sell as Roswell, New Mexico was. Like, it's like Roswell, like what? Yeah, it, right next to yeah. That's literally how we got some of the bands that we did. It was like, hey, you're tra- you're on tour right now. You're traveling from Albuquerque to Houston, Albuquerque to Austin. You know, whatever. You want to take a five-hour detour and come hang out in Alien City, USA? You got a day off? Yep. And they're like, what? Yeah, absolutely. If I don't, That's I'm good. making one. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're making it work. And so it was literally the easiest sell in the world, especially if they were about aliens and like really like, I believe type shit. You know, you know what you got to start asking them? Like, do you want to come out to Waco? Do you want to build a compound? <laughs> we can really build a compound. It be chill. <laughs> That's so, you know, it, it's, it's not, Waco isn't overly a hard sell because it's got that fixer upper like vibe. Like everybody's like, oh, fixer upper. And it's like, yeah, yeah I guess the locals call it fucker upper, but you know, it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but so. It, I it's, mean, it's, it's better than what the locals say where I live. Yeah. I, I'm the not, first, the first thing, the first thing they ask me is which cousin's my favorite. So. Oh, that's so, yeah, that's, that's messed up. That's, that's very messed up. That's, that's Cosby for you. Look, I was, I had to go see the judge the other day for just something stupid. And, um, he was said the heart, he's like, you know why we don't do autopsies here? And so of course my dumb ass entertained the question. It was like, why? There aren't any dental records and everybody's related. And I was like, like this is the judge. This is a judge. And I'm like, goodbye. Thank you. Am, am yeah, I, like, I'm happy you said it for me. Yep. I'm happy you said it for me because I didn't want to say it. I didn't. I didn't want to look at you and tell the truth. But thanks, guy. Yep. Right. Have a good one. I'm done. See you guys later. Good night. Yep. But no, that's we um we're really hoping to come out to Knoxville and just expand in Tennessee in general. Like, I mean, we've got our following in Nashville, like Nashville, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. It's like, Oh, Hey, we got this thing. We're going to be in Nashville in two weeks. Email me if you want to work and, or work on something. And like literally an hour later, I've got 40 people like, Hey, I, yeah. So like Nashville is super easy. Uh, Knoxville, I've never actually been to Knoxville, so I would like to just come on some touristy stuff. Well, whenever you want a chance to come out, um, look, man, you let me know. Unlike okay. other people, we're not scared of the Rona out here. We got more than enough Lysol cans. We're strapped up, all right, as the kids say. Um, oh, I'm but definitely- I, I'd love to show you East Tennessee. It's, it's, dude, it's crazy out here. Yeah, I've got some friends from or from Knoxville. I got some friends that are still in Knoxville from my time in Western Kentucky. It was weird. Like everybody I worked with in Western Kentucky was from like Eastern Tennessee. It was very funny and very weird. Like, because there, I, what I noticed living in both is that Western Kentucky and East Tennessee are the closest in relation to each other as far as culture. Hmm. So if if you've if you've seen the people of West West Kentucky, mm-hmm. you know what you're dealing with in East Tennessee. Yep. 
Yep, I, I'm sure. So, um, but yeah, when, whenever uh, we we kind of get to a position where we're ready to travel, get like I'm ready to travel right now. Like Rona, don't scare me. It's just it's hard to convince everybody else that I need to come with me. Like, hey, let's let's make this happen, and then yeah, let's let's hit all these stops. Yep, it, it, you know, and then like my nine to five job is like. You know, if you leave the state, when you come back, you're going to have to quarantine for two weeks. And it's like, so work from home like I've been doing since March. Like what what I what I have an extra two weeks of really being at home. Like, hey, like, are y'all going to send security or something and be like, hey, stay at your house, man. We're serious. Yeah. Well, because I was going to I was going to try and go out over Fourth of July out in Roswell. They have uh, like a giant UFO festival. Like it's big big old festival and this year it was like we're canceling ufo festival but we're still going to do something for the locals and i was like you know what i'm still going to go out there because i guarantee you there's still going to be people there it's still going to be a good time and then my buddy calls me like the morning before i was going to leave he's like hey whatever you do don't tell anybody that you're coming and i'm like okay why because the mayor of or the governor of New Mexico put out a thing saying anybody from Texas coming from Texas has to quarantine for two weeks once they get into New Mexico. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to be able to come then because I've got big old Texas license plates. Like I'm a sitting duck the second I walk into New Mexico. And he's like, oh, I thought you still had Florida plates. I was like, Florida plates, that's not even any better. Like, yeah, that's worse. That's yeah. way worse. Yeah. And so it's just kind of like, all right, well, I guess I'm not going to New Mexico anytime soon. So, man, cool. I, I'm sorry. Hopefully, all this stuff just blows over soon. And we can, like, I know the world's never going to be the same, but if we can get back to the new normal very quickly. I don't even know what that means anymore. It's just like, yo, let me go watch my baseball. Let me watch my football. I'm good. I'm, I, I'm. That's all I want to do, man. That's all. I, like, I actually would like to go watch the Falcons lose in person. All right. I was actually kind of looking forward to baseball this year because I wasn't going to have to drive astronomically far to go see the White Sox play. Like. Ah, uh, man. See, that's that's the thing. I one, you're a White Sox fan. Um, that's just that's the worst part. I, I'm I'm from Atlanta. I may have lived up there, but I'm a Braves fan through and through. All right, I, I love. I'm, I I'm a loyal it. fan, even when my team suck. I'm loyal. Yeah, it, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like you're not a Cubs fan, so I don't hate you. Yeah, yeah, no. Like my stepdad, he's a Cubs fan, and I just I think it's absolutely disgusting. I'm like. And this is why y'all's marriage didn't work out, all right? Yeah. That's why right there you're a Cubs fan. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, I've been a White Sox fan my entire life. I'm not a bandwagon fan, you know, that whole situation. Um, yeah. But I was really excited because they played both the Houston Astros and the Texas Rangers this year where they were supposed to. And it was like, sweet. That means I can go an hour and a half up to Dallas or three hours down to Houston I watched the White Sox play. Great. I'm good with that. Whereas yeah. when I was in Florida, it was like, oh, I can drive seven hours to Atlanta or five to Tampa. And, and that was that. really that was really your options, really. Yeah. 
So I, um, I, I love the Atlanta's only three, three and a half away from where I live. And yeah. with my lead foot, I make that two and a half, two fifteen. Yeah. So it's like whenever I want to go see the Falcons get their ass beat or the Braves miss, you know, absolutely every ball thrown at them. <laughs> I will while say I drink the shittiest tap beer. <laughs> I will say though. For the Braves, I'm really excited to see what Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna Jr. Yo, I, I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that that means we might get a ring. Okay. Yeah, I mean, just, you got to put just a, one. You get, you got to put a little bit more around them, like pitching. Um, yeah, but. yeah, but I mean, we like the Braves have have been lacking. Like mm-hmm. it's, they, it's like they have weird weird little pockets of talent and if they could just bring them together and unify them solidly as a, I, you know what man we probably should get off of here before we bore everyone with uh, uh with baseball it's talk whatever. it's whatever <laughs> but no yeah ba- baseball is a completely different animal you're you're probably right oh yeah yeah because you know there's there's two types of people when it comes to baseball either you like it or you don't and that's it like it's not like football where it's like oh we i'll sit and watch it like no either you like it. it's like soccer either you like it or you absolutely or you can't stand it and that's yeah, it i got gotcha. you but um is there anything else that you want to talk about before we uh kind of jump off the podcast um on a quick note, one of the things that I will say is if you think you're weird, that's probably a good thing. If you're trying to do something that no one has seen, it's probably a good thing. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. It is going to be extremely difficult. And that's just whatever you're doing, whether you're doing videos, whether you're doing music, whether you're just trying to change the industry as an executive. I'm telling you now, it is going to be the most grueling and difficult thing. And that's where you do the best things when they're the most grueling and the most difficult, because yeah. that means that you're actually doing something worth it. Um, so just keep doing it. Whatever weird thing it is, keep doing it. And I promise you, quality and consistency, when you have them meet, it's gonna be the best thing ever. Um, other than that, you can find this smiling mug maybe the only two pictures of my business partner on the internet of in existence ever, because this man is a, a ghost. He's, he's also tinfoil hat level. Um, over at the lab 931.com or if you need to book us in Charlotte or see whatever the world Charlotte's up to come holler at us at the lab 704, the lab 931 and lab 74 Instagram and the lab 704 on Facebook and the lab reloaded. Mm-hmm. Yes. Reloaded on Facebook for 931 and all of our main stuff. Um, and stay tuned because we have quite a bit coming that I don't think anyone's really ready for. Gotcha. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Uh, but once again, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. Thank this you. was quite the marathon of a podcast. Was not was not expecting to go for almost two hours. Oh, man. We've gone for almost two hours? Yeah. I was not expecting to go for almost two hours. Um But once again, I want to thank you so much for jumping on. I want to thank everybody for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys later. Peace.